Paramount Plus and the National Park Foundation present A Mountain of Zen. This Earth Week, you can live stream seven national parks for seven days on Paramount Plus. Paramount Plus, official streaming partner of the National Park Foundation. Let's go! It's the most all star studded challenge ever. And this time, it's every competitor for themselves. Best challenge ever! The Challenge All Stars. New season now streaming on Paramount Plus. Go to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Terms apply. Welcome to the PowerCat Podcast, GoPowerCat.com's Kansas State Athletics Show. Make sure you're subscribing to our show at Apple, Spotify, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts. Now, from the GPC Studios, here's your host, GoPowerCat publisher, Tim Fitzgerald. It's another edition of the PowerCat Questions Podcast, your weekly adventure into Kansas State Athletics. It's an adventure foray. Maybe we'll use that word if that's used correctly. Anyhow, Tim Fitzgerald, Zach Carlson, and Ryan Gills Gilbert is your crew for the day. I don't know what Cole's doing. He's off uh, teaching young men about balls and strikes. I should have put a longer pause in there to make it more. Anyhow, Cole's off coaching baseball. He's an assistant coach at Riley County. Nope. Nope. Excuse me. Excuse <laughs> me. it out. Back up. Back up. The other RC. <laughs> yeah. Rock here. Creek. Yep. As soon as I came off the mouth, I'm like, oh, that's not right. Rock Creek. But uh, he will be joining us for the overtime. That will appear over the weekend whenever I get the energy to do it. We're sponsored by The Fridge Wholesale Liquor. And I want to personally thank Kevin and everyone at The Fridge. My wife runs a... a Big auction every year. It's Friday night at Metal Arc Hills. She's the development director there. It's called Art Mingle. It's it's an art and entertainment thing. Um, she would not let me get a costume as the mascot Art Mingle. Um, she claims it's not a person. But is the logo still the same that you yeah, made of uh, Art Mingle? It is. I made and yeah, I have a little stick figure face in the middle of the. It's Art Mingle. But uh, anyhow, the Fritz don't made a nice donation of a package of wonderful things, wonderful, delightful treats for your face, your adult face. That'll be part of, I believe, the silent auction over there. If you're bored, hit me up, slide into my DMs or something and say, hey, what is this art mingle? Maybe I want to go. It's Friday night. I think it kicks off at 6 p.m. at Meadowlark right there in there. Beautiful restaurant into the courtyard. Oh, it's supposed to be cold. That sucks. Anyhow, thank you, Kevin, and everyone for what you do for the community and for supporting this podcast. No jacking around this week. That was just an honest, sincere thing. Yeah, that's that's all I got to say. That's it for the podcast. Um, it seems short this week, uh, but that's it. We're going to go. Uh, what kind of questions we got? We're getting good questions. There are questions about K-State sports. <laughs> It's a Kansas State Athletics show, right? That's nice. That's nice. Um, I Oh, I'm sorry. I, one more thing I want to say. Um, you know, during my process of what I'm going through, uh, stage four metastatic prostate cancer, I've met so many incredible people um, along the way, um, either who have survived cancer or battling cancer and maybe not just prostate cancer. Uh, but Chuck Carlton, um, famous writer from the Dallas Morning News, had advanced prostate cancer. Um, and I saw him. Someone told me at Media Days last July, right? It's Media Days in July, mm-hmm. down in Arlington. 
that I should track down Chuck and talk to him. When I saw Chuck, I didn't recognize Chuck. That's that's how um, much toll the the cancer had taken on him. Um, uh, he passed away yesterday. Um, so blessings to his family and and everyone who knew him. He was a he was a brilliant sports writer. He, I, so many of us looked up to him. Um, but uh, he, he surrendered his fight after. Man, he fought it. It was incredible by what he went through. But he was, he worked. He died on assignment. He was in a hotel room writing. And I guess for a sports writer, that's a pretty good way to go. So blessings, Chuck. Uh, it was an honor to get to know you. So on that wonderful, uplifting note, uh, let's get going with your questions from Wabash Station. Uh, the theory here is Ryan Gilbert's going to read the questions. I don't know, man. I, I'm not sold that he can read. But we're going to give it a shot. Here's Gills with your questions. First question comes from Wildcat Pilot eighty eight. He's doing okay so far. Why does it seem easier to recruit four uh, four star and five star basketball players to Manhattan versus four star and five five star football players? Well, I mean, I I think one four or five star basketball player can be sold that they're the difference. They're you know. This could be your program. This could be your place. Or in the case of <clears throat> what Jerome Tang's doing, um, I, I think it's just going to be a program that has a lot of that in it. I think it's easier to build a basketball program. A football program requires such incredible depth and financial commitment. I mean, for heaven's sake, San Diego State went to the final this year. That that just doesn't happen. There, there's no version of um, – you know, we've seen it now for two years in a row. Cincinnati couldn't get out of the semifinals, and TCU did, but then got demolished. The upper crust, not not the upper level, the very upper tier of college football is untouchable in so many ways. And it, it takes someone really special like an LSU, but they're getting four or five-star commitments anyhow to break in and, and compete with those teams. Um, and I think in basketball, people realize, kids realize, well, I can go there. I can play. The fans are great. And maybe I'm going to get my NIL money. And um, and this seems like a good place to go. They don't all go to the, you know, the KUs and Kentuckys, although a lot of them do. They'll, they'll scatter around a little bit more. But you've got to have something to sell. And Jerome Tang is pretty good at selling it. It's just math, basically. Yeah. You, you can put 11 four and five stars on a football field if you put – 11, four or five stars on a basketball team. That's a lot of unhappy guys riding the bench to play. Well, 20, 10 minutes. Look at both sides of the ball. Sure. Sure. So that even so, backs it up even more. So it's just, there's so much talent needed to have a football team, not even for just depth to put guys out on the field. And if they're going to the, the sec, the Alabama's, the Georgia's, and if they're not going to the K States, I mean, it's, yeah, it's a lot harder to recruit, you know, four and five star guys for football and say, hey, you're the guy, you know, you're not going to have much around you, but, you know, or you can say, hey, come to Alabama, you're going to be on the field and you're going to have guys around you that are just as good as you are. So I think it's an easier sell, sell in football when you've already kind of reached that level of, of stature. But for basketball, you know, there's five guys on a court at a time, you know, two or three, four or five stars on your team isn't going to be a detriment to your playing time but you start adding more to that you know you, you might not be getting the minutes you want and that's why there's kind of a greater you know it's what makes the NCAA tournament so great is anybody can win it right. because the talent is so much more better distributed and we've seen it in the women's game with the transfer portal teams 
you know, the women's, women's basketball used to be kind of similar to the SEC in football in that there's a few programs that run the show. They're winning the national championship every year. This year, the Final Four was great. South Carolina was really the only, quote-unquote, blue blood basketball team, and they're the newest one right. in, in that kind of core of, you know, the Yukons, the Tennessees, you know, wh- whoever, you know, in that in that upper echelon of women's basketball. So, yeah, it's just it, – it comes down to the math, basically. If you're the best wide receiver, you want to go to wherever a really good quarterback is playing. If you're the best running back, you want to have a really good offensive line around you. So those four-and-star, four-and-five-star guys are just going to Alabama, LSU, all those SEC schools, whereas in basketball, like Michael Beasley – K-State barely even made the tournament that year, and he was still a lottery pick. So you can you can prove your worth really no matter what in basketball. But with football, I think it's a lot easier to prove that when you're surrounded by such a good roster and you know you kind of rely on other teammates to, to make yourself look good, if that makes sense. Agreed. Yeah. It's, you, you can just kind of make your own stage as a you know, five-star yeah. basketball. Michael Beasley did it. It's a perfect example. And, uh, it, you know, you can thrive. It's not like you're going to go to a team and not be noticed because you went to a bad team. If you're a five-star, you're going to be noticed. Next question from Big Sam. Is it becoming more and more apparent, at least to me, that NIL is swinging even higher than anticipated in the numbers some universities' backers are throwing around? By how much will K-State have to step up its NIL game to stay competitive for the type of kids our coaches want? A lot. Period. I mean, if if the rumors are, are correct, and I don't know if this player is committed to the school that you heard he was going to get a, a million smackers to go to. Um, yeah, he is. He did commit. Yep. yep. Um, you know, and we haven't verified if that number is accurate, but that's what we were told. Paying a million dollars for one season of a basketball transfer is so inconceivable to me. Now, do it as a football school, giving a million dollars to a basketball player, which this is the case here. That just shocks me. So, uh, yeah, yeah. If the numbers are right, we were told that only about a million dollars has gone through the K-State NILs altogether. And here's a school giving out that at a time. So, um, and... You know, if the donors can't do it at that level or they prefer to give their money to the school where they get a you know tax credit or something, even though the NILs are set up as nonprofits, it's, that's up to them. It's their money. They can do what they want. They don't have to give it to anyone. They can go buy a giant boat and sail it through the Panama Canal. <laughs> probably wouldn't sail it. You'd probably just drive it. Is that what you do with a boat? Just drive it. I don't know. But, um, yeah, if, if K-State uh, – wants to be able to go get a kid when they really want to go get a kid, then they better uh, get more money going through the NILs. And um, they better uh, decide that if the NCAA isn't going to enforce using NIL in the recruiting process, which is supposed to still be a violation, and yet they just have ignored it, then go for it. Now, it's it's like going i go 82 to topeka every day for my radiation treatment the posted speed limit's 75 but i know that you can get away with seven miles an hour so i do that so i don't care what the law is this is what i get to do and that's kind of what the ncaa says 
Now, unfortunately, in some ways, NCAA says uh, the speed limit for you is 82, but for this red and blue uh, colored car that's going down the road, they can go 105. Is it wearing shoes? Yes, it's wearing yellow shoes with buckles. That's what I thought. I don't know why the car is doing that, but, you know, that's that's the problem, but... Um, so the fear at Kansas State is you do it, um, you will get punished as schools such as, uh, let's hypothetically say Alabama, uh, gets away with stuff that maybe you, know, you couldn't. The thing with K-State is I feel like you want to come to K-State to win. Like NIL isn't necessarily the most important thing for you if you get that package Sure, and I could be wrong, guys, but I, you know, you want to come to K State and win. That's what you know. Climbing, I know we'll get into that with the next question and Tang, how they feel about NIL. But you're you're not going to commit to K State just for the money. You're going to come here to try to win, improve your draft prospect, whatever that may be, right? So that's. Uh, but it goes without saying, yeah, K State does have to step it up. But it, it still goes back to the type of players that K State is recruiting. That, that maybe don't care enough or as much about NIL. I think NIL for K-State is like the cherry on the to- on top of the icing. Yeah. And for a lot of these NIL deals, if, you know, schools are giving out a million dollars to one kid, I mean, that's that's the whole cake. You know, that's, that's just it. like, like I, I don't think you need to, you know, use the full cake to get a guy. You know, you can just say, hey, you want to come here? You know, here's a little extra. There you go. Come make a Twitter post for or an Instagram post for twenty five thousand bucks. Is that easy? Okay, cool. Come to Manhattan. Come win. Mm-hmm. I think it's. I think that's kind of the the mantra right now. Yeah, be a part of that culture, all that stuff. I I would give you an nil if I had the money. Yeah. So you're saying you don't have any money like, I at have all? No money. You have negative money. <laughs> actually, right now, after the NCAA tournament. <laughs> yeah, after the NCAA tournament, the 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 company has negative money, and after paying for treatments for me, the Fitzgeralds have uh, negative money. In fact, the dogs have been told they have to get jobs. Lucha's hiring. Ooh, I guess we can't name that on this podcast. Uh, can we? The, so, Fridge is hiring. I bet. And I just saw the state pass some laws now that dogs can be uh, on patios now. So there you go. What? But they can't be off leash in the neighborhood. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, the parent, apparently you couldn't have, if you were a restaurant, you couldn't have dogs on your outdoor patio in the state of Kansas. Hmm. This state has the dumbest liquor laws. Was it a liquor law or was it a restaurant law? It was both okay. restaurant. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was, I think if you were going to let dude become a, a server. He'd at do, a restaurant. He'd be good. We have a patio. He would eat a lot of the food before it got to the table. <laughs> he'd put on another 10 pounds in a week. But, you know, hey, dude, dude would give great service. From Oiler Cat 2, <clears throat> explain the differences in how each Tang, Kleiman, and Gene feel about NIL. What needs to be done to make us competitive with similar programs to ours? Well, I think Tang's all in on NIL. I think he understands it and... And I think Kleiman's reluctant because I think the NIL, I, I've I said this in a daily delivery recently, I think the NIL is a bigger threat to a locker room for a football program because there's so many more guys. And you can end up with more disparity in this guy getting six figures for an NIL and not being the best at his position. I mean, that can happen easily in a football locker room. You can In a football locker room, you can end up with a walk-on, maybe being the best player at a position. And they're not even on scholarship. So 
the NIL, yeah, I think we saw it with Texas A&M. I, I truly believe the NIL blew up A&M's locker room this year. Um, and that's going to happen all over the place. When you're only dealing with 13, you know, maybe 15 with walk-ons in a basketball locker room, I think it's easier to massage that. And I think Jerome Tang then is a little bit more bought in and Chris Kleiman's a little more leery. And I, uh, honestly, I understand why Gene Taylor is reluctant. Oh, yeah. I think Gene hates it. I I, I can see exactly why. And I, I understand of people being critical of him that, you know, he needs to, to um, you know, get with the system here. This is how it's going to be decided on a lot of recruiting. But um, Gene's job is to pay coaches, to keep the athletic department uh, fiscally sound, to, you know, not lose money as a department. And uh, and continue to build things and pay off, you know, what they have there. Maybe some donors have backed out of their commitment for, uh, you know, they made a commitment for a building project and ended up backing out. So now K-State's got to cover it. All those things are under Gene's um, ownership, basically. He's got – he'll be held accountable if they fail on any of that. So this outside thing that is going to make his job harder, I get why he might be reluctant about it. Because the simple truth is, although Kansas State's donors have been incredibly generous and stepped forward with these incredible projects like the volleyball uh, arena and and everything else, the new indoor, uh, the reality is this is not a big alumni base. And it doesn't have a medical school or something like that. So there are limitations that K-State might realize that other schools don't have. And in the midst of this, the athletics director is trying to keep his budget on track and doing what exactly the fans have told him you need to do. You need to pay these coaches and the assistant coach. You need to pay them a lot of money. Well, that money's got to come from donors, the same ones that the NIL are are tracking, the, the collectives are trying to get to give money. So I get it. I understand it. I agree. Does Zach agree? I agree. Uh, I was trying to think of what my point was going to be <laughs> on top of that. I was going to say Fitz. But, I agree with the football stuff, but like, remember Nigel Pack, like there were rumblings about his teammates being upset in Miami with how that all went down. So I think it can be said for both football and it's easier. It's What I'm saying is it's easy to correct. They corrected. They went sure. to the Final Four. Yeah, yeah. Boom. Good point. Yeah. I think in basketball, it's a lot easier to have a guy that has – a big pay disparity because if he's going to help the team and he's going to help you win, obviously Nigel Pack, you probably would have hoped for more from him, but ultimately they did make the final four and you know, that that remedies it. But I think that, you know, think about it like an NBA team. There's guys on the bench that are making a million dollars a year and there's superstars out there that are making $20 million a year. Everybody wants to win and everybody knows their role. So as as long as your basketball team, your college basketball team understands the roles that each player has and what they mean to the team, you should be content with whatever money is being made off off yeah. on the side. I, it's a lot it, easier said it, than done, though. Yeah, but at the end of the day, I think that you should talk about how much money you make too with your teammates like I, I feel like you shouldn't be flaunting around your newfound wealth as an 18 year old if you you know made a million bucks to transfer to a school so sure I, I think that you know it's just that it comes with it though not to take a shot at like ish masood because I, I genuinely I, I like ish a lot i think he's a really good dude but he didn't accept his role like he wants to go play somewhere else whereas in the nba like you look at 
I don't know, like PJ Tucker just comes to my mind. He doesn't really score or do anything, but just play good defense. Like I feel like people are a lot more accepting of their roles. Guys like Dean Wade. Yeah, sure. You know, and then here, you know, it seems like at Kansas state, if you're not playing, you know, or just in college basketball in general, you're transferring because you want to play more. And I totally respect any player that wants to do that, but you're also going to have to find players that want to be a part of something greater than, you know, just, themselves and if they can contribute you know five ten minutes a game and do whatever in the practice facility you got to look for those guys as well so agree zach but at the same time it's kind of apples and oranges a little bit with with professional and college sure absolutely because obviously those are transfer or not transferred uh contract guys yeah you know when you're on a contract you have a guaranteed salary you're just showing up to to work at that point you know Mm -hmm. it's it's a little different for NIL absolutely but you know for Gene I just I just think that he sees I don't I don't want to say his world crashing down in front of him but you know he's got to balance this money now that he's got to convince and resell all of the donors hey make sure you're giving your money to me still and not just paying the players off on the side like I get that that's fun and it'll help us win but you know I think that you know, he's going to be business first and for, foremost. And, you know, if there's NIL or not, Gene Taylor needs money to run the athletics department. Absolutely. And, you and know, business, I think, I mean, himself as well. Yeah. And that's, that's how he sees it. So last uh, question. Go yeah, really? Okay. Go let's do it. Last question. Did you have something to say? No, okay. I was going to say, um, let's move on now. Okay. I was going to say that this is a new member Snyder's headset. Welcome. To go power cat to the podcast. So it's the actual headset? Yeah. It's AI at its finest right here. Oh my God. <laughs> this is their first post. So if the headset could talk and it can now. Here we go. Rank the QB prospects. Kleiman has brought in Lewis, Howard, Lara, Avery, Barnett. Huh? Who? Who? What? <laughs> Says Barnett on is that next is that next year uh, <laughs> is that oh, next year yeah only <laughs> yeah. so technically Barnett he's not here yet <laughs> I I can't even you know compare him to um yeah uh, I I think the highest ceiling is Avery um yeah, you, I don't know I don't want to do this we're gonna piss people off <laughs> Will Howard that's number one number one. Well, number two is Jaron Lewis is number two because he has actually played a down for K State. <laughs> number three is Adrian Lara because he might play a down for K State this year. Number four is Avery because he most certainly will pay, play like, limited downs this year. And then Barnett is five because he has not taken any snaps for K State this year or Jake, next year, probably. Jake, Jake Rubley. I was going to say, where's Jake Rubley? Snyder's headset. Who's <laughs> so Jake Rubley? Maybe you know something. He's the headset. Well, um, speaking of guys that have played at least one snap, Rubley so is played. this is this the equivalent of someone last year asking this question, leaving Will Howard off? Is that what we're saying about Jake Rubley right now? Uh, look, I I want to be optimistic about Jake Rubley, but I haven't seen it. I haven't seen any indication of of greatness here. Uh, and you know, he lost his senior year in high school. We got to see. Avery play his brains out in senior year of high school. So we have great faith. We saw him at camps. We saw that poor Jake Rubley is kind of hiding because of COVID because he, his timing with his high school career was as bad as it could be because of the pandemic. And yeah, so I, I just am reluctant to um, 
you know, put him too high on that list. Uh, you know, I, Will Howard's got to be one. And, you know, as of now, Jaron Lewis has got to be the bottom because he wasn't very good. He's a great kid. I hope he gets to play uh, in the MAC. But uh, where'd he go? Um, Kent. Yeah, that's why I say that's why I was vague. Oh, okay, Zach. Sorry. Now you called me Sorry. out. I can't Hang remember. On. I'll look it up. We'll My look it up. <laughs> I'll say that I know this is a podcast here. We're supposed to talk about stuff like this, but Will Howard is the guy, and I think it should be a great feeling knowing that right. there isn't some you know, quarterback battle that we have to debate and discuss all the time. Like what's up, Zach? I was right. You were right. I was Zach's right. always right. But I mean, it's, you know, as much as we want to talk about this, it's Will Howard. And I think we should all be thankful for that. Right. Yeah. I would agree with that. Okay. Okay. Zach That's was it. right. Zach's always right. Kent state. Kent state. Golden flash. Kansas state. Yeah. Yeah. I knew that. Yeah. Be careful guys. Don't, don't be a golden flash. That's it for the first half of the Powercat Questions podcast, sponsored by Fred's Wholesale Liquor. On the other side, we have a limited number of questions. Because Zach, in his wisdom, and he's oh so wise, as we just proved with that ending question, has decided to shortchange us on questions. I didn't. I actually, I did I did make it equal. It you is found equal. more questions? I rearranged four and four. Oh. So well, I- never mind. Come back for more. GoPowerCat.com's PowerCat podcast continues after this short break. The chilling new original docuseries on Paramount Plus. Why did he kill his family? The answer lies across the ocean in a woman named Sylvie. She's a can model. Where desire leads to deception. I ended up spending twelve and fifteen thousand dollars a day. It was addictive. I can't get you out. And obsession leads to murder. Who did this to your family? You can't really maintain a fantasy forever. Control all desire. Now streaming on Paramount Plus. Welcome back to the Power Cat Podcast. Now, let's return to the GPC Studios. Welcome back to the Power Cat Questions Podcast. We're talking about uh, the debauchery that is a certain member of our staff. It's just, it's awful. Dude is sleeping on the couch with that he matches. He's a member of the staff? Uh, he is. Huh. He's pitiful. Um, he matches the towel or the blanket pretty well yeah. you know, with his purples. Daphne's down here being shy. And we're here at the table. No Cole today. He's off coaching uh, um, young men on how to be better citizens and how to hit a curveball. So we're doing this without him. He'll be back for the overtime. He's coaching American cricket. American cricket. That's yeah. what we're going to call baseball now? Yeah. Okay. Hmm. I don't think that's going to catch on at all. It's your questions from Wabash Station. We're sponsored by The Fridge, the wonderful people at The Fridge. Uh, Their staff, uh, their managers today, uh, their social media, I love their social media, was uh, they put the old filter on them from, I don't know if it's Instagram or TikTok or whatever. It was creepy as hell because it all, the filter is so good. It literally looks like the version of them in like 20, 30 years. So I I need the opposite. I need to find the young guy filter that makes me look like uh, a, a kid again. Make you look like you're 47 again. I know. I'm just oh look, I'm so young. Yeah, you're 40. Let's Seven. go. Let's get going with your questions. But stop into the fridge and tell them that they're not as old as they look on the internet. Okay. 
Here we go. Here's Gills. More questions from Wild Bass Station. These better be good, people. They better be good, or we're all running laps after this. First question of the second half is from Wildcat. Whoa, email Wildcat82. Excuse me. There you go. <laughs> How will the running play oh, clock? Oh, is, it, is it Ema and then Wildcat? There's okay, only, there we go. There w. wasn't two W's in there, there so go. it's not Ema Wildcat. It's Ema Wildcat, or I can't do it. Ema, it's yeah. fine. Ema Wildcat. 82 wants to know, how will the running play clock until two minutes in each half affect K-State's offensive tempo and defensive strategies? Is this rule change to K-State's advantage? That's a great question. I don't know. And if you're not familiar, they changed the rule. Need to do a daily delivery on that. Remind me to write that down. Um, write that down. Thank you. Um, I'd already forgotten. That the clock doesn't stop on first downs now, except in the final two minutes of a half, which I think is a good rule. That'll speed up the game a little bit. I, I love the fact that they were looking for ways to speed up the game and nobody said, well, maybe we could be more efficient with our commercials. Yeah, because that's the biggest reason why games are going on. They're getting so long now. Yeah, because they keep adding commercial time to make money because they got to pay for these big rights fees. I Everyone claims that the ads that play while there's still stuff on the screen aren't effective. But I watch those ads. I think they're highly effective. I get up and go to the kitchen when, when there's just straight ads on. And if... The TV still if there's still content from the game showing, I'll listen to the Bud ad or whatever ad it is there. I mean, I think it's effective. I wish they'd do more of that because what happens is they come out of break and then they kind of make a transition and then we're going to kick off. Let's just get right to it. Let's come out of the break and boom, we saw them lining up. We don't need the announcer to tell us it's going to kick off. We, we know what's going on. But, yeah, I don't think it'll affect K-State at all. I don't. Um, I, it could be a, a benefit. Um you know, there's going to be fewer plays. There's just going to be fewer plays. and Which I don't think is a bad thing. I think there was one criticism saying, like, oh, now we're going to have less football instead of, and you know, more commercials. And it's like, well, remember, offenses in the last 10, 15 years are running way more plays than they used to. Mm-hmm. This will get it somewhat back to normal for at least the number of plays. Tempo and pacing isn't going to change much. It's just going to lead to a little bit short of a game since the the clock on first downs keeps running. But like, it's not like it's not like the clock didn't start again once the chains were set either. Once the chains are set, the clock goes. Yeah, it was just weird. so like it might save or save add whatever you want to call it save 10 seconds off the time of a game you know i I don't know per per play it's it's really not going to be that much time it's and you're not going to notice it it's not just yeah that gets this right so i don't think it matters one way or another yeah yeah. unless k-state's playing a team that is better than them and you can shorten the game and now you can really have less plays less possessions you can try to steal a victory that way, but other than that, I, I don't see I mean, it yeah. significant. It comes down to the number of first downs and probably 10 seconds per first down. So if there's 50 first down, I don't know how many first downs in a game. That's way too many, but, you know, 40, 30 or 40 or what? Looking at five, 10 minutes. I don't know. I did terrible math right there, but well, that's, that's normal. Yeah. Math and tough. So, yeah, I'm, I'm, I like it. I mean, I, I like that they're trying to speed up the game. 
Um, but football, let's be honest here, isn't going to find the magic bullet that baseball did. It's a joy now if you watch baseball. No more screwing around. It just got, it got to the point of ridiculousness and, you know, not as ridiculous as some golfers. When I saw that one golfer take more than a minute to putt. I mean, what the hell are you doing? Patrick Canley standing yeah. over the ball before yeah. he hit it? Yeah. How long does it take Zach Carlson to hit a putt? I have no idea. Not that long. Just read it. You know which way it's going. Just go hit, hit the it. damn ball. Yeah. From KSU Gene. With the Gene passing Cannon? of some great visionaries of K-State, who are the solid, steadfast alumni that could carry on? Well, we're losing a generation. I mean, it just times are going to change. I mean, men aren't built like Ernie and Jack Veneer and Verl Schweitzer anymore. They're just not. You know, we're just it's different generations. Jack was a, um, you know, very, very wealthy man, but also a guy that went to work every day and dressed in overalls and, you know, beating up jackets. I think he was still wearing a Powercat or a K-State um, starter jacket around, you know, this incredibly wealthy guy that was very humble about his money. And, you know, Ernie was so dedicated as was Verl. It's, it's, it's sad watching this generation move on because these were my guys. Um, and uh, I'll, I'll be interested to see if anyone becomes as visible. I mean, the Shamrock folks are kind of behind the scenes. We, you know, people don't know their names. It, it, their company's on the, everything, but, you know, others will step forward and, um, yeah, it's it's just difficult to watch this, and because all those all those three guys meant so much to me, and they're all gone now. So it's it's sad. I don't know what else to say about this. Yeah, I don't, I, hopefully, I don't know who to speculate on. But you know, now it's it's just a different time. It just really is. I think um, we should all be thankful for the Veneer family because of what Jack and Donna did, stepping up right at the start of Bill Snyder. Someone needed to do it, and they did it. And their investment, as typical of, of Jack, when he invested in something, it took off. He just had the Midas touch. He really did. From Eric Schneid, as the conference expands into new territories, how important will it be for K-State football to establish recruiting footprints in these parts of the country, mainly further west with BYU and areas around the Ohio River Valley, Valley with the addition of Cincy? Well, you can't spread yourself too thin. You got to pick your fights, and that, this has been my main argument for um, the inclusion of maybe USF um, to have two major markets in Florida belongs at the Big Twelve could be really advantageous. Um, yeah, that that Ohio area is is really good for recruiting, but you're still in the heart, the very heart of Big Ten country. It's going to be kind of a challenge. Um, and there's just so much talent in Florida that, I mean, that's why central Florida, UCF and South Florida, USF have had their moments, have gotten good because there's so much talent that it was missed by power five schools in that area. So there's a lot of talent down there. And I think that's the most important place. And the other place where, uh, places where Kansas state has had success or has been into is Colorado and, and, uh, Arizona. And if those schools come in down the road with, further expansion. I think that'll be really good for Kansas State in recruiting. Those are areas that they've proven themselves to have a presence in. I think BYU is the least relevant zone yeah, I don't, for recruiting because... It's not much in Utah. I mean, well, that, but like BYU is like a national country club where all of the members fly in on their private jets to True. come play golf. Like, it's just, it's a different lifestyle, so to speak. You know, it's a certain type of kid that wants to go to BYU. 
I don't think you're competing for athletes with BYU. Or even that area. Like, yeah, even BYU that area. BYU is the grand poobah out there. Right. But, like, you know, I think a lot of their guys are coming from out of state as well. So it's not like, you know, Utah players, high school players are necessarily wanting to go play for BYU. So, but I, I, I said that it's not as big of a deal for, you know, Utah and out west. But... I mean, kind of like you said about trying to get Ohio, it's going to be tough because you're competing with the Big Ten. Florida, you're still competing with the SEC. But, yeah, you should try. You know, you should be in these areas a little bit, but you wouldn't want to spend probably a significant amount of time on recruiting those areas. Stick to what you know. Stick to Texas. Stick to Kansas. You know, you got to win Kansas every year, absolutely. But, you know, get into Kansas City. Win that. Win those battles get some good guys out of Texas. I don't think much really needs to change as far as, you know, your recruiting areas. Yep. This will be his fifth season, K-State, right? Yes. I mean, the, the seeds have all been planted. There's no need to try to switch it up now with a couple new schools coming in. So I agree, Zach. Mm-hmm. Last question. There we go. Ready from Pickles. Pickles. Can the new Big 12 get at least three first-round draft picks every year? Ooh, that's good. That's hard to say. Um... That might be tough. Although, uh, it seems like Cincinnati, a year ago, yeah, yeah after their playoff run, yeah, I think they had a couple guys in the first round. I mean, they were loaded. They had like eight guys picked or something. I don't know. I'm just talking to my butt right now. But they, it was, I was impressed. So, schools are capable of it. Um, you know, I, I'm just going to say it. A reason why Kansas State hasn't had much recent success until this year um, was they didn't have enough elite talent. They didn't have first-round picks. They haven't had a first-round pick since Josh Freeman. I mean, that's incredible. That's absolutely incredible. The last first-round pick from Bill Snyder was was Terrence Newman. And you're going back to early 2000s. So talent isn't everything. Bill Snyder proved that. He could play at a pretty high level without the elite, you know, first-round NFL-type guys. But, boy, it makes your life a lot easier. So if you know, K-State can get someone into the first round this year, which is possible. You know, a sliver of a chance I get two in there. Um, and, you know, probably a better chance neither one of them, Brents or uh, Felix, go in the first round. But um, it's, a, it's a showing that they're escalating their talent. They're increasing. May I say they're elevating their talent level on the football side. Um, and I think that will continue. They, they recognize talent. They develop talent. And... That's why K-State all of a sudden pops up and wins a Big 12 title and, and goes to the Sugar Bowl because they they had more talent than usual. Did they have enough talent? Well, obviously not. Alabama uh, beat the snot out of them for three minutes to win that game, and, you know, other 57, they were good enough. But, um, yeah, I I don't think it'll happen. I don't. I mean, that's what you're talking about with the NFL just isn't great football players. They're – great football players of a certain stature who meet certain physical requirements. Deuce Vaughn is an incredible college running back, but I don't know. I don't think he'll go in the fifth round. I mean, I think he'll be a sixth, seventh round kind kind of guy, maybe uh, just because he's so small, but it was Alabama couldn't tackle him when he got in the open field. TCU couldn't tackle him in the open field. But it doesn't meet the NFL threshold. I'm less caught up in that than your production in college, but it is a, you know, it is a legitimate measurement. 
But if half the league is Alabama players, what does that say about Deuce Vaughn? Hmm. Well, I agree. I agree. I think they're wrong. I mean, the same thing was said about Darren Sproles, and he he played until he was 97 years old. Did you know that? 97? He was 97 and he retired. Wow. But he was so short, people couldn't tell he was old. I don't know what that has, <laughs> a correlation that is, but it's science. Just trust the science. Our friends at Caesar Sportsbook have a, a prop on the Big 12 players drafted in the first round. You guys want to take a guess? I guess the over-under is one and a half. Fitz is drinking water. So he's busy. Two and a half. It's four and a half. Whoa. Granted, the oh, I guess juice to minus one eighty. But uh, yeah, you're losing Texas and OU, and I don't know if this year is probably a better class for the Big Twelve than usual. You're going to lose those two schools, but you're getting four new schools coming in. So if, if it's four and a half this year, question on from Pickles is three. I think they can get over that consistently with the new Big Twelve. I wonder. Do you think Bijan's a first round guy? That's a good question. I mean, the value of running backs overall in the league uh, is dreadful. Yeah. You know, they just they cash them out. They, they just run through them. Uh, you know, I heard an expert on you know, someone's radio show. I can't remember which one I was listening to in one of my daily drives. Um, you know, that running backs now aren't just the lowest valued position group. It's by far. And, you know, they just – so Bichon's an incredible running back that fits the NFL profile. Where'd he go? It might be not till the second round, but he might be so good someone grabs him. Four and a half? Man, I don't see it. I don't. But we'll be done well, with this. Take a bet on it. It's legal here. Nothing stopping you doing that. Why would what I, was the over? Why would what I, was, what was the was, so his over was plus one fifty okay. under was minus one eighty. So Yeah. No, I'm not touching that. I don't think the three of us study the the mock draft boards and up stuff enough to go through each How one of those that but. down to three and a half whoa whoa you're supposed to study before you make bets no and someone tell me this. that's why it's stuff. called gambling you're just chucking it around well, i did with baseball and hit a parlay the other day that was ridiculous i'm on i'm on another one today i'm i'm, I'm like two games away from having another good payday you need to post them to pick it so we can tell you <laughs> I don't want to. I just want to win in private and then tell you about it. <laughs> That's it for the Powercat Questions podcast. We'll be back over the weekend with the overtime. We're getting great reviews on the overtime. People love the overtime this year. I don't know what it is. It's the same old overtime. I think it's Ryan Gilbert's being extra entertaining. I'm just going to give him all the credit. That's it. We'll talk to you next week. Thank you for listening to the Powercat podcast. Make sure you're subscribing to our show at Apple, Spotify, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts. PowerCat Podcast. All rights reserved. GoPowerCat.com. Powercat.